Hey everybody, welcome to Rocks Across the Pond. It's a curling podcast. My name is Ryan McGee, coming to you from Richmond, Virginia, and not coming uh, to you from Southampton, England, uh, is Jonathan Havercroft. He is not here. Uh, it's uh, it's me, uh, me without Jonathan, probably for the first time since we've done this podcast, but uh, we do have someone here. Uh, if we can't have Jonathan, I guess we can have his skip. So Jonathan uh, has a new team that he's playing with that they're playing down in England uh, later this year. And Jonathan right now is in Ontario with his new team playing in a couple spiels. Jonathan is not here because he and the rest of his team decided to rent a cabin in the middle of the woods and I guess do some team bonding, none of which I want to know about, nor do we want to talk about on the podcast. Uh, but we will bring along Jonathan Skip, who somehow got out of having to go to the cabin in the woods, uh, Rob Retchless from Toronto, Ontario. Rob, thank you for joining us. Nice to be here. Yeah, I got out of that part because uh, I had to work. I had to work this week, so um, they're they're off enjoying so a cabin somewhere in Perth, I think it is. Um, I have no idea where that is. <laughs> somewhere between here and Ottawa, between oh, wow. Toronto and Ottawa. I can only. What do you? What on earth are they doing this week? Just in the woods by themselves? Or do I you want to know? I think a case of beer is probably involved. <laughs> um, some good food, I'm sure, and crickets. It's a great time of year to be in to be in the woods in Canada. Um, so how, so you are, you've lived in Canada most, uh, your entire life, I assume, right? That's the, that's right. That's right. Yep. So how, how did you get, um, get wrangled into playing, playing down in England with Jonathan of all people? So funny story. Um, I was, um, a member of the Royal Canadian Curling Club in Toronto. Um, and another member there a few years back, Lisa Farnell, you may have heard of her. Um, she, She's been on the show. She has. Awesome. Yeah. I missed that episode, but I'll have to go back and listen. Um, she was talking about her, her plan to move to England and to play to play in England. And I mentioned just sort of off the cuff, sort of randomly, that I had a citizenship there because my dad was born um, in, in northern England. Um, so uh, it just came up, I believe, at Fenton's Rink one day. It came up in conversation and... Um, then Greg called me out of the blue last year and, and sort of said, hey, are you able to play? Um, and last year, I, I couldn't. I had a team here in Ontario. Um, but then this year, when our team uh, our team broke up, a, like three days later, Greg called out of the blue saying, hey, what about this year? And I was able to say, hey, that, the timing is awesome. Let's give it a shot. All right, so what what's what was the plan from them? Uh, from then, uh, obviously... Um, there's a little bit of logistics to work out with, I guess, what three of them being in England and then you being in Toronto. So how did how did the how did the off season plan come together on how to attack this season before before playing town? Lots of logistics. Um, we we essentially tried to figure out a couple of spiels, um, two back to back in Canada, so they they could come for a week um, and do two spiels here, and then a spiel or two in and sort of the Europe area, followed by playdowns. So we, we were going to do sort of keep one one or two trips um, for the group, um, keep the flying to a minimum. Um, and then, so we, we got the KW Fall Classic out of the way last week. Such a good good try for us. We were two and three for the weekend. Um, one game here and there could have gone differently for, for us to have made the playoffs. Um, as a first showing for us, I think I think we were really happy with that. Um, and then next weekend, we're playing at the, uh, the Moosehead Fall Classic in Ottawa. 
And you curled with any of these guys before? So, I mean, because was this or was this just a complete leap of faith? Um, fine, I'll see how this goes kind of thing. So at the beginning, it was leap of faith. Um, I, I expressed interest. Um, but then we sort of said, hey, how can we how can we do a trial run of this? Um, and Greg Dunn, um, who was playing third on the team uh, last year, he was skip of the team, um, agreed to come over for a, for a bond spiel at the last minute in March last year. Uh, so we came to the Royals men's. Um, and we had a great run. We lost our first game, but rattled off four straight after that to win the B side. Um, so it was a really, a really good, uh, good first, uh, first pairing. Um, and so after that, we, you know, we, we talked a lot that weekend. We talked about goals. We talked about the future. Um, we talked about English curling, um, B euros, A, A euros, all this, all the fun stuff, all the logistics. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, and it's, and it, you know, the rest is history. Um, we're, we're giving it a shot now. I met John for the first time this this past weekend. Um, and James, who's our lead, um, and Ian, who's not here this um, this for this trip, but uh, he's involved as well. He's our lead as well. So we're all, we're going to do a sort of an alternation at lead or lead second. We haven't quite figured out that yet, um, but uh, it's a great great group of guys, and I'm and I'm looking forward to it. I have not had I, I've never skipped Jonathan. I've always played third or played front hit, front end for him, and there there's obvious reasons why. It's because I'm not good at curling. Um, so what, what's it like skipping Jonathan? You know, it's funny, you know, we sit here, you know, we've done however many episodes where it's just Jonathan and I talking back and forth and we kind of just have to take Jonathan's word for it on how good of a curler he is and what he's like on the ice. But I guess let it, even for my curiosity, what's it like skipping Jonathan? Well, the professor of Peel is actually a perfect <coughs> moniker. Um, he, he can throw him pretty well, pretty hard. Um, and he can make a lot of rocks move. Um, you know, he's really, really takes feedback. He's very receptive. Um, you know, I've only, only played together for five games, but, uh, um, so far so good. Um, you know, he has a good delivery, good solid delivery up the stick. So that's always, that's always what you're looking for as a skip. Someone I don't know. Get a read off. I don't know. Playing third from him. I'm, I think I'd have to argue with his ability to be receptive and, uh, and, <laughs> and take suggestions on, on strategy. Maybe it's my bedside manner. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> um, so what's the reaction been? You guys showed up to the KW Classic and instead of you being with a team representing Ontario, all of a sudden you were representing England. What was the what was the reaction? Because I imagine you've played in that spiel before as a team that was playing out of Ontario. Like what was were you guys uh, being looked at like you had three heads or what was the reaction there? Um, I think there were a few people who were like, oh, my God, that's amazing. Great opportunity way to go go for it um there were some other people who kind of just shrugged their shoulders mm-hmm. whatever <laughs> um you know so i i don't know I, it's been it's been quite quiet so far i i think it's possible some people are talking kind of behind the scenes um but directly to my face it's been it's been uh, fairly positive and fairly uh, fairly supportive yeah, because because as we said on the show before, it's not like you're some nobody. You've, <laughs> as you infamously have pointed out several times since we've been talking uh, since then. Um, I mean, you've played you've played in Ontario Playdown. So what was I mean? What was what was your mindset? What was the I mean? You've you've been kind of there to where you're you're you know you're you're a tournament away from playing for the Briar. Like, what was what was it like to kind of you know, step away from that and choose to go this completely other route. So I think in Ontario, Ontario is really hard. Um, but yeah. It's a struggle <laughs> every year. Um, and the last two years have been awesome. Um, I really love the team I was playing on. Um, a great group of guys. And we, 
uh, we stayed together for, I mean, the three, the four of us stayed together for two years. Um, three of the four of us have been together for three. And that's a pretty good run. Um, and you know, we really, we really loved curling together. Um, but we had different, different goals in the end. I, I just had a second kid. Um, he's five months now and I have a two and a half year old, um, and curling every weekend, you know, this sort of the stuff you need to do to go after points to potentially qualify for slams and all that stuff is just not something I could do at any, at, at this point in my life. Um, and I, I have been trying to do that for a while, um, with limited success. Um, so I, we've, we've been close, but I think it's that, that, that effort, that next level of effort that I've just never been able to put in because of career and life. Um, you know, I, lo- I think a lot of curlers feel that, um, the, there are the folks who are able to give their whole lives to it. Um, and I've just haven't been one of them. Um, so, you know, that, that, I think that was part of the decision, right? We, we actually curling for this team, we're actually going to be playing slightly less as a for competitively speaking, mm-hmm. we're not really chasing the points. Um, we're, we're really focused on, on winning England. Um, and really focused on developing as a team and um, doing well at the Euros. Uh, if we can win England, you know, the, the, like really sort of the goals are, are not not as time consuming. Um, they still require the same level of, of commitment. They still require the same level of practice. Um, but it's not the slog that that uh, competitive curling in Ontario can be. Was there a was there a thought in your mind to, you know, maybe go for it because i don't i don't want to say that scott mcdonald came out of nowhere because he didn't but you had a team that maybe wasn't as well known obviously as a lot of other teams in ontario that decided one year we're going to do this we're going to go all in and (laughs) damned if they didn't qualify for a couple of slams and then sweep through Mm -hmm. ontario playdowns and make the briar not not out not out of nowhere but they were definitely not favored going into that week. So after seeing what they did, was there ever maybe, I don't know, was there, was there ever something inside of you that maybe said, you know, maybe, maybe that can be us if we completely go for it like they did? Oh man. Like I, I've, we've made that decision on, on various teams throughout the last 10 years, mm-hmm. uh, multiple times. Um, and each time, like we've, I mean, one year you have, you have a great year doing some B or C spiels in Ontario maybe doing a trip somewhere um, and you think you're, we're going to break through and you do it the next year, you enter all the hard ones, you enter the Oakville ones and the Stu cells and that you travel for maybe a big one out West and you just don't qualify in any of them. Mm-hmm. And it's like, that, I mean, that happened, that's happened to me twice with two wow. different teams. Um, and it, it's, it's hard, right. And it's it, the level of coaching, the level of practice, the level of funding um, is not something that I've ever, you know, been lucky enough to get or to, to have. Um, and I, I, I go back to that focus, you know, the split focus between career and, and curling. Sorry, yeah, career and curling um, and life. Um, so we could have done that. Um, and, I, and I think the team I had last year is probably the best team that would have had the best chance to have succeeded at that had we really given it our all. Um, but given given my situation with the second yeah. kid, I just couldn't do it. Yeah. So you, you, you said before that there's probably a lot of curlers like you, and, and Jonathan and I have said this so many times that I'm sure people are tired of hearing it. It's it's the people like yourself that were in danger of losing in curling because of the hyper-focus on the Olympics. It's those people who genuinely have that life curling career balance who maybe aren't able to get out there and, and playing every week. If we lose those people, then the sport's in danger. You have to have those people who are that, that you know, middle class of curler. That's the more competitive club curler. Like what, 
-hmm. what motivation do you, when, you know, when you kind of maybe in the back of your mind know that you're not going to be that slam level team, like what motive, what motivates you to keep out there and doing it? So every year, the goal for each team that I've been a part of in the last 10 years has been, let's make the Ontario tankers. Mm -hmm. That's been the, the goal. Um, and we've set ourselves up for that really focusing on on the balance of let's go let's go into some spiels we know we can win let's go into some spiels we know we can qualify in and let's let's do one or two that that's going to really be hard um and i think teams that are in that are that were in my situation who really can't do that next level dedication or maybe you know want to maybe set themselves up for that in a future year but aren't there yet um it's it's about that balance and it's about that goal of making it like the Ontario tankard is, it feels like the briar. It's amazing being in, in an arena like that. It's incredible. Um, and last year, the, the past two years, it, it's been, you know, the best weeks of my life, you know, in terms of curling, um, really, really awesome. Sadly, the, 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 the record of, of the week didn't, uh, for, for me in those two years, wasn't great. Um, but you know, the experience is something you'll, that I can never, you know, never pass up or never, um, I'll never, I'll never regret. I'll never forget. So, I mean, have you, have you noticed a, a decline in the, the kind of teams like the the ones you were on like if you is there a has there been a decline in in ontario oh, in people entering playdowns and stuff like that absolutely yeah i i just rambled off there into a different trajectory and i, I realized your question was <laughs> was about <laughs> was about this sort of this sort of tier of curling disappearing and it's true i mean if you look back in the last 10 years consistently the number of teams entering ontario playdowns has been decreasing every single year on both the men's and women's side um you know there's uh, Mike Fournier in Quebec has, has a famous blog oh, yeah. um, that he writes. Um, in his blog, he's been he talk, he talks about this all the time. Um, you know, but the good news is we still have the playdowns for the Briar. The dream is still mm -hmm. alive. You could go and rattle off a good round robin score or re record and and win in the playoffs and make it to the Briar. Any team can do that still. Um, you just have to have a good week. So that as long as that dream's alive, I think the team should you know should still do it. Um, you know, but I, the formats are what's are what's making it tricky now. I think that we've moved to these cash spiels in, in Ontario now. You enter two cat two sets of cash spiels, um, six hundred dollar entries um, to qualify, um, and I think that's scaring some people off. But on the flip side, it's making sure that you know that the, the people who are playing are mm -hmm. serious. Um, so you've got these two, you have these competing interests. Um, I don't know. I think the and they're introducing the the grassroots of curling part. Of the, they've they've added the the travelers, which is the club curling championship. Um, there's a couple of other ones in Ontario now, like the um, what's it called, uh, the club challenge. Um, so there's a, they're adding other things, other events that will that are trying to fill that void. Um, but it doesn't end, it doesn't mean that, or it doesn't. Everyone still wants to go to the Briar. That's still the dream, right? Um, it's just getting farther away for people like. For is, people yeah, like is there well, <laughs> is there anything that you think can be done to maybe, I don't know, make make your class of curler not feel like it's getting farther away? Is there anything that can be, can be done to strengthen that that middle class of curler? Is it as simple as adding more spiels, or is it more complicated than that? I think it's more complicated. Um, I think the. I mean, there's there's been a couple of different schools of thought. I mean, some people have talked about making the Canada Cup the place where elite curlers go and bringing the briar back to the grassroots. I don't think we're going there. I think Canada is sort of... Players really want to win the briar, all of them, um, at every level. So, and, we, and the briar is what, still what determines what goes who goes to the World Championships for Canada. So, that you know, that's interesting, right? It, if you made the Canada Cup the thing that determined who went to the Worlds every year, um, that would... 
um, it, it makes it makes the spiels and that the, it kind of kills the whole play down. It kills the dream. You know, I couldn't I couldn't dream of going to the worlds representing Canada um, as a grassroots curler. You, that's still kind of there. You saw Scott McDonald last year. In, in in a year, they 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 turned their entire world upside down. Yeah, they they'd invested over the years. All of those players had played around the tour for many years. Um, they just they just strung it together and did did what it took. Um, anybody can do that still. You've got some other teams like that that have come up, like Brendan Brendan Botcher's team is another good example. Um, you know, they they kind of came out of nowhere onto the World Curling Tour and and have had great success. Um, some Eastern teams are, are having some some success too, um, just by just by investing the time and doing some traveling. Um, they have a slightly easier road to the Briar, but it's um, it's still they they're still having good success and good records. I, I do want to talk about curling in Ontario too, and, and specifically in Toronto because you know we see the headlines of clubs closing. Um, most most of them attached to to golf clubs, but I mean I, I think it's concerning when mm-hmm. people see you know if clubs in Toronto are closing, you know, what's going on? Is it, is it something that's, uh, I mean, cause you're, you're there. So is it, is it a situation where curling maybe, I don't want to I don't want to say in danger, but is a, is it a case where curling um, maybe is at a, is at a crossroads there or is it just something as simple as, you know, the golf courses have decided to go in a, in a different direction and don't want to, don't want to worry about the curling anymore. I actually think I think it's it is the golf courses. Um, the golf it's it, there's a tension. There's always been a tension between the curlers and the golfers, um, where they're really different set, different pools of people. They're drawing from different. It's like the golfers aren't becoming curlers and the curlers mm-hmm. aren't becoming golfers. They're t- it's like two separate clubs a lot of the time. Maybe some overlap, but um, so they're they're really really two different memberships that are that are at odds. Um, so I that's kind of the, the story for the for the recent ones that have closed. That said, I'm at the Royal Canadian Curling Club. Um, our, our every single one of our leagues is full, and it has been that way for the last six years. Um, we have no more room, right, for for, for growth. I mean, we've tried some things uh, to squeeze a third shift into various nights. We've added um, a Sunday night learn to curl league. Uh, we've added a Monday after or Monday evening at five o'clock mixed doubles league to try to squeeze some more teams in, um, and those have been a great success. So I, the way I see it, curling is alive and well. Um, I think. I think we need more of the of the like the the, cl- the kind of club where people can mm-hmm. rent the ice um, and you know walk to the curling club. All of the all of the golf courses that we were talking about, you had to drive to, and they were in the suburbs, right? Um, you know, Scarborough, Weston, um, you know, they're a little bit out, a little bit far out. Um, versus the Royals, which is right right on the streetcar line, Queen and Broadview in the middle of the city. Um, High Park is another one that's very successful, almost purely a curling club. It has tennis in the summer and other things, but uh, but it's a great curling club as well, and and very vibrant and, and very successful. So the ones that are doing really well aren't aren't anywhere near closing down. Uh, other ones like farther out, like you look at York Curling Club up in Newmarket, growing and successful. Um, you know, so there's there's a lot of really good success stories. We're just sadly hearing about the ones that are closing down. Nobody wants to hear about there being fewer sheets of ice in the province. Or and the so country. so what does that do for for clubs like yours? You know, these the the ones. You know that you were talking about in the suburbs have closed. Those curlers have to go somewhere. Is that kind of you know? Is there a squeeze now at some of the, some of the other clubs with those people trying having to having to change clubs? Absolutely, I think some clubs have actually benefited. Some clubs that maybe were underutilized. I know a lot of the Scarborough golf folks went to Donalda, um, which is another other country club. Um, it's so. I mean, I, I'm not sure uh, what happened to the folks at Weston or where, where they where they joined. Um, but it's interesting, you know. I think there's they've compressed into other clubs that weren't full, 
Um, so, you know, it's been, they, they found a home, let's put it that way. I don't think it's, I don't think many people have exited the sport. And then how, how do we keep maybe the, the grassroots level from getting squeezed out there, you know, more as those clubs get full, as more people are moving to those clubs, you know, the, the people who have been there for, for longer, it seems like with established clubs, they're the ones who are going to get the best ice time slots. So how do you, how do you encourage club growth and encourage the next generation of curlers if they're having to, to fight for ice time with, as, as clubs are getting fuller like that? Yeah, that's a real problem with the Royals for sure. I, I look at our men's league on, on Thursday, Thursday nights. Um, it's, there's been zero turnover oh, wow. over the last, I think, three seasons. As in, we're at 28 teams, um, and all 28 came back. So a new team on the waiting list couldn't get in. The only way to really join those leagues is to be a single person joining a team where someone left, because um, people can hold their spots with three, three returning players. Um, so yeah, that's a real problem, um, especially in areas... I mean, if you look at, the, at where the Royals is located, it's in an area where a lot of young urban professionals mm. are moving into the city for work. Um, it's a very young club for that reason. Um, generally, as people get older, they move to the suburbs with, to have, or, or they retire to the suburbs. Um, so the Royals tends to remain, have an average age lower than other, other places, um, which is interesting. It's always, I mean, that means it's a, it's a part nice. of we have a lot of fun there. Um, um, but it also means it's hard to get in, right? So you're moving into the city. How do you, like, it's got six sheets of ice and everything's full. It could, it could easily survive and easily succeed with eight, maybe even 10. Um, if only there were room. <laughs> so it's it's good to know that the demise of curling in Toronto in Toronto is is greatly exaggerated. But but yeah, like like Absolutely. I like we said though, you know if you're not careful and you don't also make time for that for that next generation, then that problem may rear its head twenty years from now. Absolutely, and and I think this this learn to curl league that I was curl league that I was talking about on Sunday nights, um, really successful. A lot of people sign up into that one. Um, and it's a good time slot too. Sunday night, nine o'clock is actually a good time for a lot of people. Um, and um, you know, our we've got we've got some turnover on on our Monday leagues and our Friday mixed leagues. So we you're able to get in um, in those leagues. Um, it's if you're an if you're a competitive junior sort of twenty two year old male curler and wants who wants to join the men's league, you're just moving into the city. Um, that's that's where it's hard. Competitive curling is difficult to find to find ice in those competitive leagues. And then the, really, I guess the last, you know, we, know, we never got into your curling history and I know that you're pressed for time, but one of the, one of the things that I wanted to get into was, was family. And we, we talked about, um, before we started, you mentioned you're not playing down in Ontario for regular men's, but you are playing down in mixed doubles with your wife. Um, mm-hmm. what is it, what is it like playing mixed doubles, uh, with, with your wife? Is there, what are the positives and negatives, uh, to the, to that? So many of, many of your listeners probably know Ashley way. Uh, she's mm-hmm. curled on the tour, um, on the women's tour for many years. Um, and I actually, that's actually how I met her. Um, you know, I'd, I'd, I'd stare over in the distance at this beautiful woman on the other sheet of ice when I, <laughs> I, I was curling in various competitive spiels. Um, and we always joked that, you know, that, that she was from sheet A and I'm from sheet F because we always stared across the curling field at each other. It, was, it makes a lot of people sick when we tell that story. Um, and, and, and so like when we started curling together, it was, it was really great because we, we both had a lot of experience that we could bring to the game. Um, and, you know, she actually curled internationally as well. She, she used to live in Germany um, in the early 2000s and she played with the German, uh, German team in juniors. And actually went to the worlds in two thousand one, 
Um, so it was, so she, we, she, she had, she was actually the one who encouraged me to do this English curling thing because she said she did it and she loved it. Um, so, uh, in doubles though, um, it's interesting. I, I actually think they should film mixed doubles. It should be a reality TV show. <laughs> it's hilarious. There are moments where you're yelling at each other and swearing at each other. And then the next minute you're kissing on the ice and hugging on the ice and it's, you're not the only ones doing it. Like there are many, many other couples out on the ice. So it's, it's just like hilarious. There should be the reality TV episode, you know, where you go back to the mansion and, and film the sort of in between games, uh, interviews and then go out on the ice. Like I actually think this could succeed and could be TSN's biggest hit. Um, you heard it here first folks. Um, we, you know, we have moments where we struggle. Um, we have moments where we where we we love every minute of it, um, and at the end of the day, we still want to curl with each other. So that's it's really great, um, really great format too um, for for shooters, right? You're going out there and you're shoot, you're throwing five skips skips rocks in a row. Um, they've all got to be perfect, um, so the pressure is always there. Um, and so that's why we love to play it. Um, we love to play it because it's um, you know it's good it's good for us um, in terms of. The, intel the intellectual aspects of it um, in terms of our competitive nature. Um, and, and I think it makes us stronger as a couple. And then you have, you have two younger kids, including one, your, your youngest is actually um, just a month older than, than our first. Uh, ours is four and a half months. Yours is five and a half months. What, how many times have you traveled and gone to spiels with the kids? What's that like? Um, how do I need to prepare for when I eventually do that? Uh, what any tips and tricks that, that you can suggest for for spieling uh, while having young children? So I haven't actually brought both kids to the curling club yet. So since curling season just started with our second kid, uh, we we didn't have one last last curling season. Or last we didn't have a second kid last curling season. Uh, we've done it with one, uh, and with one, it's actually quite easy up until they're mobile. Um, <laughs> Like they actually love the the big white curling sheet and it's very stimulating visually. Um, so I, we found the curling club quite an easy place for for our sub one year old to hang out. Um, now that I have a toddler, it's a bit crazy. It's a bit hard. <laughs> um, he runs around and makes trouble and bolts out the door, and you have to you have to always be watching him. Um, we really don't want to just throw a device in front of him, but uh, sometimes that works. <laughs> Um, with two kids, I have no idea what we're going to do. Um, <laughs> I'll let you know how that works. Any, anything specific that you suggest I pack? Um, well, I mentioned the phone just in case, um, <laughs> the, uh, always toys. Uh, we have a box of, of like, sh of Schleich, um, animals like the dinosaurs and the farm animals. So we always bring those and he'll line them all up and play with them for, for a good hour. So that kills half a curling game. Um, and then just running around. Be okay. Have, be in a curling club where you know no people are okay with kids running around. Um, at the Royals, it's usually it's they're usually fine with that, and uh, so it, you know it's good to have. And we have multiple kids now, actually. Holly Nickel has ha, just had a young young one. Um, sorry, Holly Duncan just had a young one. Um, and um, and so there's and there's a whole bunch of folks at the club with, around the same age um, as as our kids. So uh, I expect a junior program to be developed. We, the Royals doesn't have one currently, but I expect one of those to be developed in the next few years as our kids grow up. All right. Yeah, I heard uh, basically everything I've been told is they're easy to deal with until they have an opinion. Absolutely. And right now the opinion is always no. No <laughs> is a, two, right. a two-year-old, two-and-a-half-year-old's favorite word. <laughs> um, I get, Yeah, again, I want to be just cognizant of your time. Is there anything else that, that you want to talk to before we talk about before we get out of here? No, just really I'm looking forward to a, to a, a laid-back season with a, a great group of guys um, from across the pond. 
Um, <laughs> and, uh, and it's been, uh, you know, this weekend was great at KW and I'm looking forward to next one at, uh, up in Ottawa. All right. Yeah. So, so good luck this weekend. So yeah, you played, la- played last week, went two and five and I saw you, I saw you won your first two, three, two, two three. Oh, I'm sorry, two and three. I saw you won your first two. And, uh, at the, and after then, that second win, we thought we were going to win the whole thing. You know, that, that like honeymoon <laughs> phase, we've, we've only played two games together and we've won both. Um, and then we got trounced then, by a bunch of, bunch of young Scots. <laughs> yeah, you ran into a couple of good teams uh, with the, with, after, after the first two wins. <laughs> we did. Um, the first two wins were good ones. Um, you know, they were solid um, and they were against good teams as well. Um, but then, you know, we sort of, sort of petered out a little bit there and, uh, and had, and we're challenged. I think the, the Ross white team from Scotland has a really bright future ahead of them. Uh, we actually had the prediction they were going to win the whole thing. Um, they came up just short, uh, very, very weird line score on that one too. They, they were tied with the hammer playing seven blank blank, and then gave up the steal and they blanked the eighth with the hammer. Oh, wow. I don't know how that happened. I want to ask them how that happened. Um, <laughs> And uh, and gave up the steal in the ninth. So uh, if they had won that, I think they win the whole spiel. Um, but yeah, every other, every team we lost to qualified, so that's always a good a good sign. All right, and then so so this weekend going up to Ottawa, and then you're heading. When are you heading to Europe? So we're gonna do a, a spiel in uh, Riga in January. Um, so that'll be my my first trip across the pond, and then uh, in in February for the for the, the uh, English nationals. All right, fantastic. All right, Rob, uh, thank you so much for joining us and giving us giving us some background on this on this team that you have, hoping to represent England, playing down in England uh, early next year, and on curling overall in Ottawa. Uh, thanks for joining us, and uh, yeah, good luck the rest of the season. Thank you so much. Okay, we're back, and we are still without Jonathan, but. For good reason, uh, as you heard Rob talk about in that interview, they were getting ready for their second spiel in as many weeks. They wound up going one and two in that spiel and did not qualify for playoffs based on their draw shot challenge. Kids, practice your DSC because it came back to bite Jonathan's team and probably cost them a few bucks. Um So we still don't have Jonathan. The reason for that, he is currently playing as we talk in the World Mixed Curling Championship. Uh, But we have the next best thing. We have a member of the junior team that Jonathan coaches who is here to talk about the World Mixed. It's not really fair to have Jonathan preview his own event. Uh, and we're previewing it really three days into the competition, but uh, say la vie. Uh, so you may remember him from our episode on etiquette. Uh, if you didn't take a listen to that, please go back and listen. Uh, we're glad to have him back to talk about Jonathan, and he's not here, so make fun of him for the next uh, few minutes. Felix Price. Felix, thank you so much for taking time out to join us. No problem. Always welcome. Uh, always want to come back onto the podcast, make fun of Jonathan, of course. Um, and yeah, spread my wisdom as it were. Absolutely. Uh, and we're, we're <laughs> glad to have you here. So I don't know anything about the other players on the English, uh, world mixed team. It is obviously Jonathan, who we know who is playing second. Do you know anything about the, the other players? And then we'll talk about what England is currently doing because they're, they're currently playing, 
the competition's going on as we preview it. Uh, England is currently 2-0. Uh, they're about to not be 2-0 uh, because as Felix and I are talking, they are on the business end of a beatdown at the hands of Switzerland. So give us a, Felix, can you give us a little bit of background on these other players that are, that are playing with Jonathan? I wish I could, but I've literally met none of them. Oh, no. How is that possible? <laughs> they, all, I'm, I'm, they all play in Scotland, I presume. Um, so Jonathan uh, went up there to, uh, to play with them. And practice okay. with them. So I don't think I, 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 I honestly I don't think any of them have actually been to the rink before. Oh, the one down in the one the one down in the south of England. Or are you talking about the one in which one? The one in Preston or the one uh, that in, that Jonathan plays at? The one on the farm. One Jonathan plays at. So yeah, the one on the farm, Fenton's Rink, uh, in Sussex. Uh, yeah, we've I, I've honestly never met these people before, which I know isn't brilliant. As an, a fellow English person, so I guess uh, I mean, kind of. <laughs> I guess curling in England isn't nearly as small as we all thought it was. No, because a lot of people who play for England, i.e., Jonathan, uh, you know, are or, or live near Scotland or in Scotland and have maybe a parent who's English, uh, or they've lived in England long enough to get residency. Um, but a lot of English players actually play in Scottish competitions and live in Scotland. I did not know that. Um, yeah. So yeah, the, so Jonathan's team, uh, it's world mix is going on right now. There's 40 teams there, including England. Uh, England is in a pool with Austria, Belgium, Finland, France, Korea, Russia, and Switzerland. They have already beaten Austria and arch rivals France. Uh, they're currently losing to Switzerland and are probably going to wind up losing that one. They're down four to one at the fourth end break. They still got to play Russia, Finland, and Korea. So a tough row to hoe in order to make the playoffs. Uh, what would coming into this? What would you have said would have been the over under for number of wins for for England at the at the World Mixed, Felix? What, how many I think they were going to get. Yeah. How many uh, did you think they were going to get? I think minimum three. I think yeah. they're, yeah. The way Jonathan talks about them, they're a very good team, very confident. Um, so, yeah, I, I thought three wins. They have difficult games. Obviously, Russia and Korea especially, I think, are going to be mm -hmm. tough. Um, yeah, I think the, the the swing game the swing game is that Finland game. If they beat Finland, then I think they can finish. Um, and I think they can finish four and three, and possibly, possibly, I don't know, maybe get into the playoffs. Assuming Jonathan has gotten better at DSC <laughs> since his disaster at the last at the last spiel. Yeah, uh, yeah, I think Finland. That's going to be their 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 most winnable game out of the ones they have left. Yep. Um, but, yeah, I mean, they could pull an upset against Russia or uh, or Korea but it's tough. Did you play down to try did you play down to try and get into this tournament? I know that you play obviously you do the you have the junior team but did you have, did you have a mixed team that you were on that to to play down for this one? We had uh, me and my skip Joe. Uh, we had sort of talked about it uh, but never really put it into put it into action. Uh, and then I went. I went off to America 
this summer for a month. And then I came back and found out that Judd made a mixed team without me. Oh, no. Uh, but I have weaseled my way in. I'm now the coach in, you know, in, uh, in the loosest sense of the word. I'm coach <laughs> of their team. Uh, so you guys, so, so you're going to try to dethrone. You're going to try to dethrone Jonathan this spring. Yeah, I mean, it shouldn't be that difficult if we're looking no, at his DSC alone. Um, yeah, yeah, and it's it's a good team that we've got going into. It. It's quite quite young, um, and obviously they've got the next big thing in coaching uh, coming up <laughs> with them. So yeah. Are you guys going to try to play in the men's playdowns too, or are you just going to stick to a junior schedule? We've talked about playing in uh, in the men's, but to be honest, we keep being told by people at our club, you know, oh, it's a great idea, but you're only junior till you're 21. So you've got the rest of your, your curling careers to do men's. So we want to focus on juniors, to be honest, more than the men's competition. It sounds like they're scared of you. If they're telling, if they're feeding, yeah, you, man, if right, you're this, feeding, this, if they're feeding you that, it means they're scared of you, man. This is Jonathan's team saying this stuff. <laughs> oh, then, he, uh, then you yeah. know. I can tell you from having talked to him outside <laughs> of this podcast that he is scared of you guys. <laughs> he talks a big. He talks a big game. <laughs> he talks a big game, and I know yeah. he tries to get in y'all's heads when you play in league. He is he is frightened of you. Yeah, that's very true. <laughs> yeah. Well, we actually we played his team uh, two days ago without him in it, and they oh, beat us. They, so, I mean, so what does that say about it, uh, you know, addition about by subtraction? Point. There. Yep. Exactly. Um, so I kind of I kind of <laughs> like this world the the world mixed now that now that mixed doubles I believe is going to a a B pool. I believe it's the only direct entry um, tournament left in all of the all of the WCF. So, if you're gonna grow the sp- yeah, I think in it, so it's a way to grow grow the sport. There's a lot yeah. of countries in this competition that um, you know are are up and coming countries uh, in in the WCF. And I think um, the number one example of that was Spain last year, winning silver. Uh, pretty crazy how much Spanish curling has grown uh, here recently. Yeah, I mean, that true. silver medal last year had to have been, I mean, was, was that a surprise to you or how, cause you've probably played against the Spain junior teams, right? Yeah. We've, so we've played against, uh, Spain quite a few times. They've sort of been our, our, uh, our sort of Achilles heel. Whenever we played them, we, it would, it would like come down to an extra end or one shot and we'd lose. Um, but we played them, uh, the last year's world bees, uh, and managed to win, knocking them out and putting us into the into the quarterfinals. Um, they've got a their skip. Uh, his name's Gonvez, and he is sort of uh, a very talented player. Uh, still young. He only he aged out last year, and I think he's going to play a big part in Spain's sort of coming years in curling. Oh, uh, I know that he he plays quite a lot in. Uh, Scottish competitions and and practices in Switzerland and stuff like that. Uh, so yeah, I was certainly surprised when they when they medaled last year. And and to me, this competition is kind of. I mean, it kind of shows how well rounded a country is because you know there's 
a lot of countries where you know they're, they're they're strong on the women's side or they're strong on the men's side, but with mixed, you know, it's it's a very unique format where you're still playing four, still playing four person curling, which is I'm still getting into mixed doubles. I'm not quite there yet. The four person game is still um, what I enjoy watching most, um, but having to having to have two strong men's players and two strong women's players to me, I think is, is, is more interesting than, uh, than the, than the double side. Yeah, definitely. Uh, and I think it's interesting to see two sort of different styles of play coming together as well. Um, it sort of, it, it keeps watching the curling games interesting. Uh, and I think that it gives more room for an upset or an underdog team to come through and do well. Yeah, uh, just like Spain last year. So looking looking at the rosters, yeah, exactly. there's some yeah. Looking at the rosters, there's some curlers that um, people are going to recognize. Uh, Canada, their skip is Colin Kurz. He's played in Canadian Juniors, representing Manitoba before uh, with JT Ryan. He now curls with JT Ryan on tour. Uh, Scotland, Luke Carson is skipping that team and his men's, his men's team just got done playing in curling night in America. I believe, is that a junior team? Is he, is he on the, is he aged out or is he still a junior? I think he's still a junior. Um, we, okay. yeah, we, we've seen him at competitions last year, but he, he's, he's close. Okay. Have you played against him? Uh, yeah, we have. <laughs> I don't remember it going very well. Uh, he's a fierce, fierce skip, uh, and he's good, good curler, but I mean, yeah, like all Scottish teams, really. Yep. Uh, probably the most well-known curler in this uh, tournament is Germany's Andy Cap. Uh, he's only won five medals at at Worlds, uh, and I, I believe he I believe he has the record for most Worlds participated in as well. So, uh, kind of a I'm interested to see how Germany does with with Andy Cap as skip. Um, let's see where are the, let's see where they're at right now. Uh, Germany is, I'm sure this is just great radio. Uh, Germany's one and one. All right. They're, uh, they're one and they're one and one. They are in a, they are in the same pool as Canada. So that's, that's a, that's a tough one for them. Tough draw for them. Um, Switzerland, who is currently pounding Jonathan's team, uh, two curlers that you're going to recognize there, uh, Martin Rios and Jenny Perret. They obviously have had tons of success in as mixed double specialists uh, in Switzerland. They are heading up the mixed team. Um, team USA, they are skipped by Hunter Clausen, who recently, I think, I, well, actually it may not be recently. I think it was like three years ago. Uh, he was one of the main, one of the better junior players, uh, in the U S and now, uh, is, I think he's played the last couple years with Todd Burr at U S nationals, but very, very solid player representing team USA, uh, Italy. They have Denise Pimpini and she has played at women's worlds before with Diana Gaspari, uh, Russia, another mixed doubles, um, Another group of mixed double specialists that are heading up the four-person mixed team in Alexander Ehrman and Anastasia Moskaleva. They are heading up that Russian team that uh, Jonathan will later have to meet. That's a tough draw for Jonathan having to play Pere and Rios and then Ehrman and Moskaleva. That's a tough. That's a tough one. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Spain Sergio Vez is back Definitely. after winning silver last year. 
Poland, uh, Bartosz Zykowski. He's his men's team, I believe, represented Poland at last year's Euros. Uh, Australia, uh, Mr. Aussie Curling, Hugh Milliken is back. Uh, he, yes, he's been around. He's originally from yes. Ontario. He yes. played in, I think, the 92 Olympics. <laughs> uh, Hugh Milliken still, still out there uh, upsetting folks as Team Australia. Uh, Turkey. Um, Dilsat Yildiz is, I yeah. think she is the only woman throwing lap rock this event. I'm not sure, but I know she recently, I think she recently aged out of juniors as well. And they had, Turkey had like a surprising junior women's team when Dilsat Yildiz was, was skipping them. I think you've, you've probably seen them before, right? Yeah. We've seen them at, every time we go to the world bees, they're there and they do really, really well, uh, yep. as a, as a team. Uh, Nigeria to Johnny Cole uh, in his group is back. Uh, Nigeria was the only African nation uh, at last year's mixed doubles, uh, starting to get the ground run, you know, get curling started for Nigeria. And they have uh, the really awesome Broomzilla t-shirts that I have not seen for sale. And if I will, I will pay a steep price for a Broomzilla t-shirt if anyone is able to snag one. Um, and then finally, uh, from Team Hong Kong, Jason Chang. I know he's a listener, um, so good luck to good luck to Hong Kong at this event as well. And I saw, I saw on Twitter he got to meet Jonathan. I think at the the opening ceremony for this thing. So that's kind of a rundown of it's kind of a rundown of who you might recognize among the names at this event. Forty teams five groups of eight teams each uh just about everyone's played two games already uh some surprising results ireland's three and oh now you I, I know nothing about irish curling uh my last name is mcgee so i imagine if you go deep into the rule book who knows i might be eligible to play for them uh what can you tell us about irish curling felix unfortunately like english curling i mean this english team nothing <laughs> Never played against an Irish team. <laughs> I've never been to Ireland. Um, yeah, so I, you've never been to Ireland, not to curl. Should I be? Should not I be? Should I be surprised? Okay, I've been there. Oh, okay. I was about to say, should I be surprised by that? No, or is it just typical American, like sitting here, um, assuming that everyone in England has been to Ireland? No, I mean English people don't really see the point of going to Ireland because it's just more rainy. So why would you go there? <laughs> we all want to go. We want to go east. Uh, we want to go into Europe, into like Mediterranean. We don't. We're not. We're not going west. More rain. But uh, yeah, Ireland. Ireland's three and zero. Korea's Korea is three and zero. Russia is. Uh, England is about to be two and one. So uh, let's see. Czech Republic and Norway are two and zero, and Canada is two and zero. So a lot of the teams that you expect to be doing well are doing well. Um, so it'll be interesting to see. Interesting to see if anyone like Spain, uh, Spain, and Hungary are both two and zero in their group. The USA is one and one. It'll be interesting to see if you know someone like Spain can kind of come out of nowhere and make a run and get a, and get a medal for for those up and coming countries. And who knows? Maybe it'll be Jonathan. It probably yeah. won't be Jonathan. Who knows? It probably won't <laughs> if we're being realistic. But you know. <laughs> so it, he's really kind of played it off on the podcast. But I know for a fact that Jonathan is kind of super geeked about this whole thing. I know that one of his dreams was always to play in 
a WCF event like this. So it's it's kind of fun for me having only I've known him for like ten years now uh, to see to see that happen for him. Uh, so that's pretty cool. Has he has he tried to kind of play it off with you guys, or can you tell that he's pretty excited for this thing? We as a team, like we yeah, we could tell he was pretty excited. Um, and obviously, like jokes aside, we are we are happy that he he, he gets to play in a WCF event. Um, I think I made a joke like two years ago. Oh, the only time you'll have uh, you'll wear an England top is if it has "coach" written on the back. Uh, so when he, <laughs> when he got, yeah, <laughs> when he got this, he was he was pretty happy. Um, and and yeah, no. So we are dare I say it proud of him. But wow, yeah, yeah that's <laughs> it's yep. it's still the best. Um, it's oh. <laughs> It's it's a good tournament. It's, it's, yeah, it's a big yeah, fair deal. Enough. Fair enough. And he said to us, at least it doesn't have a B at the end of it. So, yeah, that's uh, that's yeah, that's yeah. very true. <laughs> so what's the so what what is what's the plans for the the junior team this year? I know Jonathan. You know he's he's got the new men's team that he's trying to 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 improve before they before they have to play in playdowns where they've got some pretty tough competition for for the English playdowns at the end of the year has he been able to work in uh, working with you guys as well or is or are you guys playing second fill to the mixed uh, championship I think he definitely wanted to focus on the mixed um, for now which is obviously fair enough he managed to see us right at the beginning Still of the season. Still early in the season, yeah. Yeah, exactly. He saw us on the, the, the day that the rink opened and we had a big big talk practice session and he does he sends us drills to do, but he basically said, Here's everything you need, I'll see you in a month. So, <laughs> <laughs> great coaching. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, great coaching. Uh, yeah, we're not gonna see him for a while. But he is he's you know, he's keeping our WhatsApp group chat alive by sending us drills to do and you know, uh, making sure that we, we record every single practice session, what happens uh, in them down. And then I think, you know, when, when it gets closer to the, the World Bees this year, which is in December, he'll, uh, he'll turn up and, and uh, put in a good shift trying to get us in shape for the World Bees. Are you guys doing any spiels uh, to get ready for that? Yeah, so we're going to a, a spiel in Latvia in just over a week um it's a, it's actually our first adult spiel as a team okay um which should be good fun i think the uh, is that that challenger the, spiel yes yeah, the challenger spiel oh nice and they have really good arena ice uh which would be which would be a change for us but we like it so i know every now and then there's some teams in there in that tournament that that people have heard of do you know what your draw is yet for that one uh, we have our draw, but I think our skip Joe is the only person who's actually looked at it. <laughs> he hasn't bothered uh, <laughs> to share it with you guys. Well, he has. I just don't think that we were. We, we this was in the summer, so we weren't particularly uh, into curling, as it were. Is that a is that a triple knock, Sorry. or do you have a or or is it a pool? I don't know, Ryan. To be honest, <laughs> I really don't. <laughs> <laughs> oh man uh, what's gonna be funny is i'm I'm, to, I'm sitting here on curling zone it's gonna be hilarious if i like find it before you do or before you even know let's see 
Oh uh, no, curling zone. All right. World World Curling Tour. I, I, I world curling it. Tour I website it. does not have it up. Oh, you found it. I've got it. Yeah, it's it's groups, uh, and then it's top two from the groups go into uh, into a semifinals. So do you know who, and who are you playing? I do not recognize. Uh, ooh, it doesn't even have the countries. We've got. All right, I recognize this as Team Magnuson. They're at, going to the. Oh yeah. Well, they were the junior Swedish yep. team uh, last year, so they're in our pool. And then I see in Group C that there's Tune, which I think might be, uh, yeah, Tobias Tune, who is currently playing at the mix right now for Team Denmark. Oh, nice. Uh, who we've played before at uh, the World Bees. Uh, he's a scary guy. I'll leave it at that. How's that? Like, intimidate, just an intimidating dude on the ice or what? Yeah, really. He's he's uh, he's pretty ripped, tall, deep voice, scary kind of guy. So uh, <laughs> yeah, and he's a very good curler, obviously. But so it looks like if you win, you take home three thousand euro. Oh yeah, I mean, <laughs> so your sh- you maybe a bit of a long yeah. So shot, your take would but... your take would be, or no, that's the total purse. So the winner's going to get probably like a thousand euro, something like that. Maybe fifteen hundred euro. Yeah, probably. Yeah. So your like take that. will be like, yeah. your take would be like three hundred euro. What could you buy with three hundred euro if you guys win this thing? Maybe we could employ a better coach. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, we'd probably just put it back in the team. To be honest, I know that's a pretty boring answer, but yeah, we'd. Uh... <laughs> yeah, pay, pay to get back to England. Uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah, we don't we don't have return flights. We're we're booking on a we're banking on us winning this. Uh, one thing I did see uh, the World Curling Federation their website had a big feature on that new curling club in Preston, and it looks. Uh, I mean, the thing looks amazing. I see it on Twitter all the time. Uh, do you guys practice there a lot, or do you are you mainly uh, down at the farm? Mainly down at the farm. It's about a five-hour train journey to get up there. Um, but the advantage is obviously that they're open all year round, so uh, we, we can get summer training there. And actually, Joe took a job there during the summer. Nice. Uh, so he's he's actually hasn't really had an off-season. Uh, uh, it, is, it is a really nice facility. The lighting looks weird. It looks like they've tried to make it kind of trendy, so the lighting work looks weird. Is it in the – obviously, they've got um, kind of the weird uh, paint job, or I'm sure that it's um, – in in uh, ice graphic, uh, the weird in ice graphic. That's the length of the sheet. Is it tough? Is it tough to play on that? Is it tough to get like a good practice session in there because it's got all these things to make it kind of trendy, or is it just, or is ice ice? Um, the ice is kind of what you'd expect really from a a curling club. Um, the lights can make it quite difficult to see, especially like the skips broom down the other end. Uh, it's definitely run for a commercial purpose over club curling. Uh, I think they'd find it difficult to host a competition there just because of that sort of added factor that the, you know, the ice is different uh, and they don't really have a hog line. They sort of just have where the under ice graphic stone meets the under ice graphic grass. Uh, 
<laughs> so yeah, <laughs> yeah. But I, it, it once you're there, when you see it in real life, it is a really sort of cool looking place, um, and it, it definitely brings in tourism, uh, which I think is kind of what the Flower Bowl was set up to do, as opposed to just being an out and out curling club. So they've got other things that you can do there as well. Yeah, it's like the all right. So I've seen like twelve different names for it. I've heard you know Jonathan calls it the Preston Curling Club. I've seen Flower Bowl. I've seen Barton Grange. Like what? Uh, it kind of explain all that. I would call it the Flower Bowl. Um, the Barton Grange, I believe, is the name of the garden center that's right next to it. Um, so yeah, I Flower Bowl. I think Jonathan's taken the wrong angle at it because it's not just the <laughs> curling place. Uh, they have like bowling, cinema, mini golf, golf simulators. Oh, wow. They've got the whole, the whole thing. Uh, yes. Yeah, so I'd call it the flower bowl. Yeah. The, the trendy curling club, basically like almost like not necessarily exactly like a top golf, but for curling. Um, like I think that's probably one of the ways that you're going to be able to get, some clubs here in the US that are arena clubs who are looking for their own dedicated curling facility. It sounds like this is probably going to have to be the way to go in that, that what do you think of the trendy curling club as the, as a, as what could potentially be uh, the next big thing in curling? Um, I think what the trendy curling club does, it brings curling to a completely new audience. So, you know, it's, for example, Fenton's rink, it's, it's on a farm, you know, you're not going to be, and it's a dedicated curling rink. This place, you know, has all these new features, new lighting, cool ice, uh, projectors, big screens. Uh, and it, it certainly makes people more interested, especially people who aren't in curling. So I could see, I, to be honest, I think it's a sort of US way of looking at curling or looking at a sport, really. It's right. We've got the sport now. Let's make it. Let's take it ten steps further, uh, and add all this new stuff to it. Uh, so I, I definitely could see that working in the US, as opposed to being a sort of out and out curling club. There's maybe like a bar with a few, like you know, medals hanging off the wall and stuff. Is it? Uh, is it bringing in a younger crowd? Yeah, I know that they have a junior program there. Uh, I'm not really sure how successful it is, um, but definitely, I mean, you know, if you've got kids who are coming to go, go to the cinema, they come out and they've got these big, massive glass panels where you can go look down over the, the curling rink, uh, you know, and then they, you know, they might want to give it a try. So it's definitely exposing it to a new audience as well. Uh, I know you were in you were in my neck of the woods uh, over this summer, right? You were actually pretty close to where I am. You were in uh, were you in Virginia Beach or Norfolk or where uh, where in Virginia were you? I was in Norfolk, um, sort of yeah, middle of Norfolk area, pretty close were you, down. Were you he- were you here when we were curling? Like when were when were you here? I was I was in Virginia for a week, and I was there from the tenth to the seventeenth of September. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah, we had shut it down. Right. I was about yeah, to say, so. man, I could have used. I was about to say, man, I could have used a sub. I would have, but we had. Yeah, we had shut it down. <laughs> yeah, I would, that would have been so much fun. 
to come up and play in, play in the U.S. What did what did you think of Virginia? Based on when you said you were here, I know exactly how warm it was uh, when you were here, and I apologize. Uh, <laughs> but other than that, what did you think of uh, good old Virginia? It was a very nice town. Everyone was fairly friendly. Uh, you have amazing seafood. See, I have not. Just, I'll put out. There. I've only been to Norfolk uh, once since I moved. I moved here three years ago. I've only been down to Norfolk once, but yeah, that's what I have heard is you can get top-notch seafood. Um, just it's real, which is really just an hour down the road, just about. Yeah, it's worth the drive. I mean, it was <laughs> crazy. Uh, Jonathan told me to ask about what you did while you were in America because he said that you have some pretty humorous stories from from while you were here i i know i know the one he wants me to tell it's really bad uh okay oh god i can edit it out let's see there's <laughs> nothing wrong it's just it's just weird i am um, i'm i'm good with like people but not not people that i don't know very well if that makes sense anyway i was in this gift okay. shop um and there was nobody else in there and there was a rather attractive woman behind the counter. So I went and I was, I was just talking to her and she did the whole like, Oh my God, I love your accent bit. (laughs) (laughs) All Americans do. Um, And I was talking to her and it was fine. Like whatever, like it didn't really matter. And then the the conversation kind of hit a lull. And then I looked down and do you know those like Himalayan rock salt things that you can get? And then you like, if you like, you can like shave them onto food or like lick them for like salt. I don't know if you. Uh, uh, I think. Yeah, anyway, you can get them here. Anyway, I, I looked down, I saw one, and I I don't know why I did this. I picked it up and I went, "Oh, it's a rock salt," and I licked it. But as I licked it, I realized that it wasn't a rock salt. It was just a rock. <laughs> so I looked like this nutter. <laughs> who just walked into a gift shop, talked to someone for two minutes and then licked the rock. Um, and then it went dead quiet. And there was like five seconds of eye contact and just dead air. And then I put down the rock and just beeline for the door. Like it was, I can only, it was, so I can only imagine how she tells this story. <laughs> I imagine it's something to do with like crazy Englishmen, came into my store, licked the rock in front of me, and then ran away. She now thinks that all Englishmen lick rocks. <laughs> yeah, that, yeah, that's on me, guys. If, if, uh... and, then, yeah. and then he said you went to a uh, shooting range. Yeah, I mean, this was cr- – like, I don't – I know this I'm, – I'm, I'm assuming this podcast doesn't get political – no u.s gun u.s gun laws are nuts i shot an ar-15 which was like just crazy i don't know why you'd need that for anything i did that in the woods uh, once (laughs) we were in the we were in the middle of nowhere in very south i know you've you've you went to norfolk have you ever been to southwest virginia no all right we were in all right so southwest virginia is mainly like it's really the stereotype that you see on like those moons moonshine shows that they show on, on television. Oh, right. yeah, yeah. It is, we yeah. were, we were knee deep in that neck of the woods. Um, 
basically shooting guns. Uh, one of them was an AR-15. And then at one point, it's like someone had called the police and the police came. Um, and the entire reason that they came was to make sure that we were firing into like a solid thing. Like, cause I guess shooting guns is just extremely normal in, in Southwest Virginia. And they were just making sure that we had like a solid thing that we were shooting into. We were shooting into a mountain. <laughs> so they took one look and they're like, you're good. And <laughs> turned around and left. What did you, what did you think of the gun? What did you think of a good old fashioned American gun range? I mean, everyone there was like super friendly and, and nice. And they came over and, you know, did the whole, like, oh, are you from England? Like, what do you even have over there? And, like, we don't ha- we don't really have guns. And they're like, what? You know, and Second Amendment talk and whatever. Um, and then, yeah, the, they were all very interested to watch me shoot it. And it was that thing of you're, sh- you're shooting this high-powered semi-automatic rifle. And you're thinking, this is nuts, but it's a lot of fun. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone has that same view. It's ah, like, oh, it's a lot of fun though. You know, um, yeah, I I enjoyed it, but I I've done it. I probably wouldn't do it again. You know, did anyone did anyone make the joke of you know your kind is why we have the Second Amendment? No, there <laughs> there was no uh, no hostility <laughs> towards the English. Um, we we got to take up arms against the English. <laughs> We we did meet one guy who was like just in case just in case just in case you guys decide to take it back. So before we get completely off the rails, Jonathan has lost. <laughs> no, they're now England no, is now two and one. Yeah, Perey Perey and Rio, and Rios beat them uh, seven to one. They came back. They came back from the fourth end break, and Switzerland stole one in five, six, and seven, and then it was handshakes. Uh, so yeah, so Jonathan, yeah, I think I think the the Finland game, which is coming up, I think soon, uh, the Finland game is going to be the swing game for them. Uh, if they win that, hopefully they can finish with a winning record, and hopefully they can uh, make it into the playoffs on DSC. Uh, Felix, I think I think we've covered just about everything that we wanted to. Uh, do you have anything uh, that you want to leave us with as you guys, um, your curling season is, is starting to kick up? Have you have you been following anything else that's been that's been going on in the curling world? Uh, not not really. Uh, I think we're kind of just it's still very early in the season. Yeah, exactly. We're sort of just focusing on a on our own team at the moment. Uh, I, they all wanted me to do this. It's shameful, but if you could go and follow at team Sugden on Instagram, we would greatly appreciate, uh, any follows. Uh, but obviously you do that if you want. I can vouch that you guys are a good follow. Um, especially when you have nothing to do for a day in Finland and everything is covered in snow. It's uh, you guys are a good follow on the, on those days. Yeah, exactly. That's the, uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah so yeah follow yeah follow felix's team team sugden on instagram s-u-g-d-e-n um and good luck good luck to the junior team uh the rest of the year good luck to jonathan and england at the rest of the world mix i know we spent 
um, a lot of time here trash talking him, but you no, know, we do hope that Jonathan does. Well. <laughs> it's he's our he's our he's friend. Dead. We 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 kid because we love. Uh, Felix, thanks so much for doing this, and uh, yeah, good luck to you guys. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Hey everybody, it's Ryan. Just want to say thank you for your support of this podcast, and we hope you enjoyed. This episode is a little weird. It's the first Jonathan Free episode that we've had. You know, when we just want to say that uh, we know that these have been kind of few and far between as the season has started. It's been a weird year for all of us. Uh, you know, for me, it's work and family commitments. We got the new baby. I'm just figuring out how to work podcasting into all that. Also, Virginia Tech has had four of their last five games have been home games, and we've got another one at home in Blacksburg next week. And for my family, that means taking a half day on Friday, going up early Friday, staying in the RV Friday night, the game Saturday, staying in the RV Saturday night, and then making it making our way uh, back home on Sunday. So it's a full weekend for us for these home games. And for Jonathan, I mean, he's been getting ready for this opportunity to play in the world. So his schedule has also been kind of crazy between that and the new men's team and coaching Felix's team. And, uh, oh, by the way, at some point, um, figuring out time to be a professor in like grade papers or whatever it is that Jonathan does. Um, but yeah, we want to say thank you for your support. Uh, we want to tell you that we are making an effort to get more of these out as the season progresses. Hopefully it'll be a little more regular as the curling season gets underway. And, uh, you know, they're going to start playing slams soon. So everything's going to start getting more interesting in curling. And hopefully things will get more interesting for this podcast. One thing that John and Jonathan and I have talked about and that we want to do we want to talk to more curlers, and we don't want to necessarily talk to curlers that we see on TV. We want to talk to you guys. Um, we want to talk to clubs that are facing the issues that curling is facing head-on and coming up with interesting remedies for for the issues that are facing the game. Maybe your club has uh, found a really great way to reach young professionals. Maybe your club has found a unique way to deal with the way ice time is assigned. Uh, we want to talk to you. We want to hear the great stories about you and your clubs. Um, you can get a hold of us by emailing us at rocksacrossthepond at gmail.com. That's rocksacrossthepond at gmail.com. You can find us on Twitter at Curling Podcast. And if you search Rocks Across the Pond on Facebook or Instagram, you're going to find us there as well. We want to hear from you. We want to hear what you like. We want to hear what you don't like. And if you have an interesting curling story, we want to talk to you because that's what we want to focus on on this podcast is curling from the grassroots level. So we we thank you for listening to this show. It was a unique show, a little different. Things will get back to normal. Good luck to Jonathan at World Mixed this week, and we will talk to you again real soon.